And this week we're joined by Eric Lala. Eric, what's the story? How's things? I got your names right now, haven't I? Yeah. You're John and you're man. <laughs> Adam and lads, Paul. Lads, listen, it's an absolute honour to be here, I have to say. I've watched everyone in Dublin get on this podcast. I know I'm the last person, but better late than never. You yeah. know what I mean? You've gone through the last one and a half million people in Dublin and uh, I'm, I'm the last bloke from Dublin who's been on the podcast, but we won't hold any grudges at all, lads. Save it's, the best of last. That, that's sorry, yeah. Good man, good man. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm delighted to be here. Uh, yeah, so, go on, you. No, thanks something? for coming on, but at all. them yokes are bleeding disgraceful, Eric. Them, <laughs> the, yeah, them <laughs> new balance on your feet are bleeding, Chuck. No, there's no point in sitting here beating around the bush and all. I'm very disappointed in you, Eric. And you were a pair of Asians. Asics. Asics. <laughs> you see, I'm a granda. I'm a granda. No, I'm that, that, no, they're absolutely shocking. And that's what they are. I reckon when you went to Boy then, they said, Can I see a child's birth certificate here? Is your name on a birth certificate? Because I can't tell this to anyone that hasn't got kids. No, I was talking to you outside, and one of my all time heroes, football boys, was Brian Robson. He used to play for Man United. And a captain of England, captain of Man United, when Man United were shy, and all they used to win was the odd FA Cup. Brian Robson used to wear New Balance football boots mm. back in the day, like, and I always remember that. And I remember you couldn't get New Balance football boots, not in Ireland anyway. Um, my ma got me, well, I mean, Santi got me them one year, and, uh, and I was fucking delighted with myself. And I walked out onto the pitch the first Saturday afterwards playing with my own team. I actually played for the team. I'm from, I'm originally from, jeez, how many places am I from? North Strand, Finglas, and <laughs> Ballymun, right? Oh, that's some mixture. Yeah, isn't it yeah. just? Yeah. 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 Some but, decline as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, think, you don't think you can get any lower than North Strand? You're like, hold on for a minute. Yeah, hang on a second. And like the, the gas thing is my dad, right? My dad's from Dorky. Oh, yeah. So you come from money? Yeah, well, well. <laughs> we see my ma's, my ma's from Dunny Kearney, my dad's from Dorky, right? And, you know, everyone goes, I mean, everyone goes, jeez, Dorky, when I'm doing gigs, I tell people that. And like, there's a lot of foreign people, and I have to say, that's where Bono and then you live. Or as I like to call them, Bonya. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very good. I says, uh, I says uh, but, but the thing is, my dad's deaf, so he doesn't even know he's posh. You know what I mean? Like, that's the truth. That's the truth. Like, I'm not even joking there. That's the truth. And there's a little bit of stand-up material I'm working on at the moment, so thanks for laughing. There's a bit of progress in it. But that's the truth. My dad is deaf. He's been deaf since he was, he was six months old. He got meningitis, and he emerged with deafness. So he doesn't even know he's posh. You're a loud laugh. Yeah, so uh, no, it's not real. That's true, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. And my ma, like, you often say to me, my ma's from Dunny Kearney, right? Opposite ends of the social spectrum here in Dublin. Dunny Kearney and Dorky. Like, and this is my ma. I says, Ma, where'd you meet me, dad? I said, I met him at a Rolling Stones concert. I said, It's a Rolling Stones concert. I says, My dad's deaf. <laughs> And she goes, yeah, that's how loud the Rolling Stones were. It's <laughs> 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 a true story. And, uh, and he didn't, he never wanted us to learn, he never wanted us to learn sign language. My ma did, my ma. So, you know, they'd have that little private conversations at the time. We were like that. <laughs> you human. <laughs> I, I think, I think, I think, I think my ma's on her out with that. She's going like that to him. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, sorry for people on the podcast listening that I just did a hand gesture there but anyway um, he didn't want us to learn sign language he wanted to read our lips so people often say to me when I'm on the stage I have a very expressive face you know and my face 
was as much of a communication with me dad than anything else. So you know the way you, you would read lips? You just see words. You don't see punctuation. You don't see, you know, italics or bold or anything like that. So my face became my shift key. <laughs> so my facial expression. So it would do the face like that and I said something my dad know what text or what context it was said in. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. So uh, I look like I'm having a stroke on stage all the time, but that's from growing up with a deaf parent trying to communicate with him in a kind of way. You know? <laughs> How are you, da? What's going on? <laughs> Yeah, that's what shaped me. Sorry, how do we get here, anyway, lads? You just tried Oh, yeah, New Balance. Like yes, so. New Balance. Come here, look at it. If you're able to do that to deflect away from the fact that we're the New Balance, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I've never been in trouble with the guards, ever. Yeah, because he pulled you over or something. You'd be like, come here, listen, I'll tell you where my dad's from. <laughs> like, have a good I'd night, go though. Yeah, yeah. I was arrested once, though. You were arrested once? Yeah. For what? Impersonating the guard. Right. Was, we were shooting this TV pilot comedy thing. Uh, it was called Cop Shop, right? And it was me. Do you know Owen Colgan? Yeah. Yeah, me and Owen were partners. We were the two guards in this comedy. And we shot an episode of it. And it was a lunch break. And I went into the bleeding Eurospar for the coffee. And we gag here. Just thinking nothing of it. And then I'm filling up the coffee and I'm turning around as a guard looking at me. And he's like, what's going on here? And I look at him and smile and go, hey, what's going on here? And he goes, no, I mean, what the fuck's going on here? And I went, oh, sorry, we're, doing, we're shooting a comedy. And he goes, you have a permit for that, have you? And I was like, no, I'm sure the producer does. Yeah. Still, no, I don't have one. He doesn't have one. And uh, so he took me down to the station, uh, read me a caution, and then a file was sent to the DPP. <laughs> yeah. And for about three weeks, I was up the fucking wall. Now, they rang me then eventually and said, look, we did background checks. We found out you were a comedian. <laughs> <laughs> and you do a little bit of acting. So the story does add up. So uh, the superintendent then cancelled the, the charge or whatever. How did they know? that? Why did that copper pull you if you, you were just dressed as a copper that day anyway? Probably just pumped into you, did he? Yeah, he was just, so he just he happened to be in the shop. One? What? How did he know you weren't one? Oh, how do you know I wasn't a copper? Yeah. Well, I suppose I didn't have any idea with me, like, and I was having a, a laugh So do lads. coppers do that with each other, like, if... There I think no, it was probably had no badge either. Don't yeah. have the there was badge one or two little things that weren't completely yeah, guarded, right. and he went, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! This looks a bit suspect." You mm. know what I mean? And also, I was with a few of my mates, like, and they were dressing normal, like in tracksuits and all. Yeah, like the guard. Our story. Yeah, mates are bogies. What you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Remember a minute, something doesn't add up. Yeah, what happened there? Yeah. So, yeah, that was a mad one, but it's. It's one story that I've never told before, so there you go, lads. Little exclusive. Little exclusive. Thanks for that. Come here, do you know sign language now? No, no, none. Like, he just did not want us to learn it. Now, I see a lot of people, I see a lot of comedians, some of the bigger comedians like John Bishop and all that, and what they're doing now is they're bringing people on stage, give it all that, for the deaf people in the audience, which is great. My dad see me doing one gig, and I was with, I was... So I, I support Bowes boys, by the way. That's my League of Ireland team. Right? So I go down to Dalymount a lot and I do a lot of fundraisers and all that. And years ago, I was doing a gig in one of the bars in Dalymount. Little small gig. And my dad came in. He was just standing out the back looking at me. And I was there like that, you know, doing all my jokes. And the gig went well and all that. And he just went, I don't know what you were talking about. I couldn't really see our lips kind of thing, like, you know. So uh, my mom would say to me, Eric, are you going gigging tonight? So my dad see gigging. He'd see the mountain moving gigging. So what he says to me, right, is, well, are you going singing tonight? Because he thinks I'm singing, right? And I go, what? Are you going to sing it tonight? And I just go, yeah. yeah <laughs> just, can't be asked explaining. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so my dad thinks I'm a famous nightclub singer. <laughs> <laughs> no, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't. But uh, it's gas the way he sees it and says it, like, you know. We actually had a, someone sent us in this suggestion. So did you watch the Super Bowl the weekend? Or? I did. did you actually? I only got it to half time now and I fell asleep. So you missed the best part. Yeah. So would you watch that yoke on the regular? On or what? just the Super Bowl? 
that sport. Oh no, I watch it. I watch it regularly. Would you? I do yeah. actually. I love it. I'm, I'm love shocked it. at how many people. Yeah. Watch it regularly. I think yeah. people pretend to like it because it's. Do you not, think so? Because yeah. it's cool. Yeah, and I don't think it's culture. a good sport. Yeah, but I mean, like, if you look at basketball and baseball. I don't really get into them at all. Yeah. I mean, I'm starting to try and get into basketball because, like, you know, there's so much money in it and you're going, these lads must be good. And then you watch it sometimes and go, wow, them lads are talented for being seven foot four or whatever. But American football, I'm really getting into it. And I used to have the John Madden game on the PlayStation yeah. as well. So I'd, I'd know a little bit about it, moves and all that. And the athleticism that's involved in that game, it's just off the fucking chart. It, like, it is mental. I mean? Just how the whole thing is franchised. It's, yeah. not, it's not like, it, to me, it's not a sport. It's like, it's a, a franchise show. It's like a series, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. This season of NFL, and it's like, it's like they have a script and all to me. Do you know what yeah, I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah. You have a team. Well, yeah, I mean, my sister lives in uh, in Long Beach in California, right? And she's married to this fella called Charlie Graff. And uh, Charlie's a fucking legend. He's a real American, all-American Californian boy, you know. But his team always was Kansas City Chiefs. So they've had years and years of nothing. Mm. And now they're like the dominant team. They've won three of the last five Super Bowls. So the Chiefs will be my... Uh, my team based based off yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah but I just I, I don't get invested in we used to now I used to watch when I lived at home in my mans we used to watch the Super Bowl together you know all that but this year I didn't watch it was bollocks hard, you know what I mean yeah so the next day I watched the halftime show because Usher was deadly <laughs> Usher was fucking lethal <laughs> man when I met Usher in town one night fuck off yeah years ago he was in Brussels right he was doing a show I don't know maybe the three arena or the UV, I don't know where he was he was doing a show in Dublin that night I mean when I were down the inter doing a gig and we heard Usher's up in Brussels, man. Well, I took off up the, up the road, you know. And, and there was a big load, big gang. He had an entourage for him, of course, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, and then we were just kind of like, some of them just, we knew because we we're, we're streetwise. We, we wait for the moment. And just as he's walking past, the two of us jumped out and went, Oh, Jesus, Usher, what's the story? And he's like, oh, All right, guys. I ain't chance enough over. I mean, I got a quick picture with him. So I must stick that out actually and send it to you. Because it's a, it's a brilliant picture. I mean, well, I always laugh about it. Do you remember the night we met Usha in Brussels? <laughs> That's a mad so random cool. old act. Yeah. yeah. Eric Willa and Usha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, where was I going? Yeah, the reason why I brought that up is because somebody texted us and said, what if on the All Ireland final, they done a halftime show, who would be on it? Oh, Wow. Like music was, yeah. Well, like yeah, yeah, they, yeah, the way okay. they do it in the Super Bowl, it would I mean, be on the All Ireland. Back in the day, I mean, if he was still here, obviously Aslan would. You would think, especially if the Doves are playing in the finals. You mm. know what I mean? Um, now you're thinking, ah, oh, Fontaines DC, maybe. I'd I'd love to see the. I still haven't seen the Fontaines live. I loved them, yeah. loved them lads, but I haven't haven't seen them live. And I think they do a great halftime show. And then you'd have to cater for the people from the. Be Daniel O'Donnell or something, wouldn't they? Daniel O'Donnell. Yeah. You want people staying in the stadium. I know <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's not, that's he's a very nice man, very, very successful. Good luck to you, Daniel. Just not my cup of tea. Yeah, but I think <laughs> <laughs> like the new balance. Yeah. <laughs> I think else with the M50 he's doing very well yeah, though wouldn't yeah, he yeah, yeah. he's so, very well for himself yeah he'd be, he'd be catering to the other half of the stadium wouldn't he <laughs> yeah. who would you pick Terry I don't know you had to put me on the spot yeah. we don't really have any silk stars do we no I mean like there's a few bubbling on the surface like Seema now she's starting to who who Seema you don't know Seema no Oh, Seema. she's an Irish uh, singer who's just gone through the stratosphere at the moment she's on the Graham Norton show there recently She's a dub, I think. She's brilliant. Like she's a she's a pop star, um, but she's got some really cool grooves and all that. I think that's what all the young people are saying, anyway. Mm. But same as is Jeremy Kennedy wouldn't be too far. Yeah, Jeremy, yeah, Jeremy yeah, would be. He'd be box show. office, like all right, yeah. But we're looking for a box office. 
Well, then well, you have to follow like if it's the soup of all. Well, then you're talking Westlife, then, aren't you? Yeah, Westlife yeah, have yeah, to be in that show. equation. That's right, you know what I mean? Because they're so big. Yeah, you know. Other than that, Jesus, you'd have to put on pallets and stuff, wouldn't you? But it feels like bleeding. Yeah, already go down at half time. Even after the gig. Yeah, feels like bleeding. Westlife, a concert doing a reunion tour and a farewell tour every year. It's the last ever concert until next December. I know. And then when he died, they'd be called Afterlife. You know, another tour. Four coffins getting rolled onto the, onto the stage. <laughs> yeah, you'd, you'd be doing well if you were the last one alive, wouldn't you? I know. Do you know oh, what I mean? I know, yeah. So like, and like the technology will have advanced by them that like whoever's alive, do the trick of just holograms beside them. Yeah. You'd <laughs> <laughs> be laughing there. Everything going, oh, yeah. down, girl. <laughs> and that's another thing as well that used to annoy me about them. All the bleeding hits are covers. Yeah. That's More true. covers than Michael Guiney's for folks sake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Michael Girl, that's, not their, that's not their song I Mike, love that what a shop what a shop that was you might used to drag me in there as a kid when Still I lived going. in North Strand yeah I know it's fair play that's what happened yeah, that's what happened the bag and bucket of Michael Guinness yeah people need bleeding rubber gloves and yeah and slippers and, yeah and, <laughs> and bed sheets that's all, that's all you ever sell uh, Mandy fucking Uptown Girl what else would he say Flying Without ah, Wings Flying Without Wings is that theirs I don't think that's theirs either no. Are you not having a bit of Westlife, Colin? I know, come here, listen. I host Bingo Loco shows as well, right? Or I have been doing them. Is there anything you don't do, Eric? <laughs> For fuck's sake. Someone said that to me recently, and my missus does be looking at me sitting in the gaff all day going, Everyone thinks you're busy. <laughs> <laughs> you're sitting here on your hoop watching Sky Sports News. <laughs> um, no, and, and like when we play Westlife or any, like we have a little boy band section. The place goes mental. Yeah. The place be bouncing for Westlife, like, you know? I like a bit of Westlife, boys, I have to say. Bit of pop music, why not? Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I'm not into Westlife, but I wouldn't say no to Nicky Bone coming on the podcast. Oh, well. Just putting that out there. Do you know him? I do. Yeah, you give him a show. I might, yeah. See, if you see, you see there's another podcast that you might be doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, while he's doing the yeah, rounds. Of course, If yeah. he's doing the yeah. rounds. <laughs> ask, him, uh, ask him to drop in. Yeah. Anyways, you started your own podcast, Eric. Yeah, we did. Like, obviously, like, Willa had a massive uh, input on that. So me and Willa started comedy together with Des Bishop's Joy in the Hood. So we know each other, what is it, 18 years now? I never knew him before that show or anything like that, you know, but since then we've become tight, good mates, mm. like, you know. And it's him coming on your show, this podcast here, which kind of shot Will out through the stratosphere. Now, I know there was a few videos of him doing weddings and all that that people took notice of going, geez, who's this fella? But it was when he came on your podcast that things lit up for him, like, you know. So you owe us a favour. So Nicky Bourne's coming here for <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, Will out was in favour, not me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, and, and it, it just shot him through the stratosphere. Like, those episodes that he did with you was, like, were huge. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? And... Like, I've been always at Will for ages, like, you know, particularly about doing his own show, his own solo show. And fair play to the two, he's there the other night in the Liverpool. Oh, yeah, brilliant. And he's brilliant. outstanding, wasn't he? Yeah, no. We, we all know his capabilities. Yeah, we all yeah. know what he's able for. So we were annoyed at how long yeah. it took him, but so glad he's doing it now. And now he's his biggest fucking Taylor Swift. He's selling <laughs> tickets all over the DC. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's 900 tickets gone for the fucking Olympia already. It's in October. Yeah. yeah. I'm on the Liberty Hall Theatre in September with 43 tickets sold. <laughs> for fuck's sake. So it's a bit of a lopsided podcast popularity now that me and Will I have 
<laughs> I'm hoping to shift at least another 20 before September. And, uh, <laughs> and we'll do it out in the foyer. <laughs> but we'll, uh, so we'll, I always knew, we'll, me and Will, like, when we get together, we do be in ribbons laughing. Like, mm. You know what I mean? Like, even, we were on the six o'clock show last week, I swear to God, like a pair of kids. Yeah. We did our interview and then we were moved over to the kitchen, you know, with the chef does or something. And then they're interviewing Joe Dolan's family. And Will has whispering things into the ear. And you know when you're in school and whatever, you're not, you know, no, you're not laugh. supposed to laugh. You're yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I could, in the periphery of me, I could see him vibrating like that. <laughs> and the two was like, <laughs> fucking purple. And he, the cameraman and all the makeup artists just looking at us like that, going, <laughs> meanwhile, I'm going purple, going, <laughs> 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 oh, the funniest thing. And then the cameras turned around and looked like the two of us had been crying. You know, just looked real upset. <laughs> oh. The sad story do you want telling. <laughs> yeah, 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 very emotional. Still miss Joe. Still miss Joe down. I really do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's the way it is with Willa. There's so many times, like, I mean, even when he rings me, like, I'm on the, like, I mean, especially when driving the car, I bleed nearly crashing because I'm laughing. Yeah. yeah, you have to pull you in. Yeah. Do you ever have to check the watch when Willow rings your boys? Oh, the claim you're going to have an hour. Have I got 90 yeah. minutes for <laughs> Yeah, no. I've got somewhere to be. Yeah. Boarding the year. Oh, he's, yeah. and, and you know, he'd he do that for you, you know, yeah, he, he really would, would. And he's like, he's, he's full of the advice as well. Do you know what you need to do? Do you know yeah. what you need to do? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off, Willow. <laughs> But uh, it's great. So, so when the, the the chance came along, so the laughter lounge said they wanted to start the podcast, but they they obviously saw the effect Will I had on your podcast. So Will I was going to be the first choice, and they I think they had a trial of a couple of other comedians. But Will I was always going, Eric was always going to be hooking you, like you know what I mean. So me me I went in and anyway did a trial with him in the studio, and we just talked like we would normally talk, mm. and we had great crack for half an hour, two of us on the floor laughing our holes off, and then a couple of other comedians were tried. And then they just rang and said, look, Eric, sorry, yeah, you were obviously a better match with Willard than, than the other two boys. So, And then it was a long time in the process. They didn't know who they were going to go with. And then they spoke to Joe, had a meet with Joe.ie. And Joe.ie wanted to start their new stable of podcasts. And they wanted comedy, especially their own content kind of thing. So they said, yeah, let's do it. So them and the afternoons got together and said, right, this is it. We did six episodes. They're going out over the next six weeks. And then there's a new series coming along, probably with a sponsor. But it's amazing. It's probably like used to, lads. Like it feels like a, it's like a job, but you're getting asked to do a job or being paid to talk to your mate. Mm. Yeah, it's amazing. It's like we're so lucky. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's a pinch yourself moment. Like you know what I mean. Yeah, definitely. There's so yeah. many people out there who love to do what we do. And we're very, very privileged and, mm. and lucky. You know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and he's the number one in the country at the moment. Yeah, yeah. but as you know, it's lo it's lovely to see. It's great for the aesthetics and all that. But new podcasts always have that first initial bump and uh, ah, the sure the, yeah, yes, <laughs> yeah, the difficulty no. the difficulty is staying there. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you boys are constantly there. That's that's a brilliant thing. Yeah. Well, hang on a second. I walked in here, said, it's like. A piece of history I'm walking into here. The, the talking bollocks set. It's like walking onto the Late Late Show set. And used two boys on the Late Late Show. Yeah, used two boys with your 2000 venue National Stadium <laughs> lawyer podcast. I'm talking to the big guns here. <laughs> the feel quid fellas. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully this podcast has shipped at least five tickets from <laughs> Liberty Hall, 19th of September. Lala by nature. See what they did there. <laughs> right, Arnie. What we do with every guest is, yeah? Take us back to the start. Where are you from? What was life like growing up for you? Right. So I touched on it earlier on. I'm the eldest of my family. I have a brother and two sisters. First 
four years of my life, I was in North Strand, St. Bridget's Avenue there, uh, St. Bridget's Cottages, I think we were in. Then we moved out to Finglas, um, New Gaff. Uh, <laughs> I used to do that on stage as well. I used to be, Mama, how did you convince me that from Dalky to get a gaff from Finglas? And she said, well, Finglas was still only getting developed. It was just rolling green hills. We mm. went out, we seen the builders put the house together and the wind was blowing in our hairs. And our dad looked around, seen a load of fellas on horses. I went, geez, there's plenty of money out here. <laughs> <laughs> Not one of them horses out of the saddle. <laughs> so, uh, so that's how it started. And then I lived in Finglas till I was, I suppose, 19, 20. Met me missus and she was from Ballymun and just started hanging around up there. And we, we got a flat, lived in the flats in Ballymun for a while. Uh, ended up having four kids. And uh, yeah, I know, and I still have a gaff. I'm living in Poppentry now, and that's pretty much it. Like, and the the whole the the comedy thing came very late in life. Like, it was my mid thirties when when I started doing comedy, you know. But the best thing I ever did, like the most enjoyable thing. Now, my missus will will disagree, like you know, because I had a nice job, a good job, doing well for myself, and uh, <laughs> and I threw it all away to follow this mad fucking little journey dream or whatever you want to call it like you know but that is a late start though isn't it but where, yeah. where comedy there is now fucking edge well that was the thing I, I was I said that to Des I said Des am I wasting my fucking time like you know what I mean because mm. some of the participants on Join the Hood were like early 20s even teenagers I think one of them was and I was going yeah that's the time to get into it like you know and Des was like no man if you're funny you're fucking funny doesn't matter what fucking age you are you know, I always do Des's impressions as a mafia boss. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> he's from New York, isn't he, motherfucker? But he's uh, yeah. So he just said, "Look, Eric, if you're funny, you're funny. It doesn't matter what age you are. Like, you know what I mean? And luckily enough, I've been at it now, well, seventeen, eighteen years now, and it's still going okay. You know, going grand. Yeah. Still mm -hmm. a few tickets to sell for the Liberty Hall Theatre show now, but still, <laughs> still going well. Still going well. <laughs> I don't think it's been a better time to be a comedian, especially in the Dublin scene post COVID. It's just like it's it's at having this big fucking." Resurgence. I think what's happened, like, you two boys, right? And, like, I'm not blowing smoke up both our arses, but you have been great to give a voice to, for want of a better expression, the disadvantaged, if you will, the neglected communities. Like, I, one of my first opening lines when I'm doing comedy, I walk on stage and go, Hello, my name's Eric Lawler. As you can tell from the accent already, I'm disadvantaged, right? <laughs> and the crowd all go, ah, Oh, should we, should we laugh at that? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and and that was the thing. Me and Will I stuck out like sore thumbs for a few years because there wasn't any working class Dublin comedians on the scene, which is really weird when you mm. think about it because of the size of the population. And how funny people and, are. Oh, unbelievable, yeah. yeah. And, and even like, when you think of not just comedy, but radio, right? Like people would often say, ah, oh, did you ever try radio? Ah, oh, you'd never get a job in radio because of your voice. And you're kind of going, yeah, you don't hear many people with Dublin accents on the radio presenting shows kind of thing they're usually doing ads for burglaries or something like yeah. that you know what I mean or as I said the only job I'd ever get on radio would be if your man doing the Mr Brennan's ad does you know as the new falls out the real barb says oi the ho says oi the ho what's the secret here says Mr Brennan says oi the ho fuck off you nosy gay bag he should do that on stage he used to freak out like you know he has that wrapped up waiting to go he do it did he yeah here's a tape stick that on there he's already done yeah but yeah so it's it's you're right now there's been this new wave like there's other comedians like Joe Dowling who's open for Will Adler and he's great from Talent as well but and and that's only downfall isn't it yeah from Talent and then there's Pads on Murray who's another great comedian and he's from Ballyferme and he's a real dub, like, you know what I mean? And there's, there's younger lads coming through now, which is brilliant to see because, well, me and Will asked there was barely anyone yeah. with a Dublin accent. They were all kind of, I suppose, middle class, if you will, college heads and, mm. you know, good luck to them. I don't begrudge anyone a college education, but 
there was nobody representing our communities, I don't think, at that time, like, you know. And now it seems to be almost chic, if you will. Yeah. Trendy almost, if yeah. you will, to be working class. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I'm actually not working class, I'm royalty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually above all But like I said, though, as well, like there's no age limit on comedy. No. I think Ricky Gervais, how old was he when he got into comedy? I think he was, he was a singer. What? Yeah. Well, like, my first introduction to him was The Office. Mm. I remember years ago, The Office being on the telly. So to me, he's always been a comedian. But then I remember someone in Mork showed me a picture. Like, this was years ago. I only started walking. And uh, there was a new fellow who started as well. And he was like, yeah, you need the image of Ricky Gervais. And I was like, looks nothing like Ricky Gervais. And he pulled up a picture of him. He was in a band, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, in the 80s. Was did you yeah. know that? Band? I didn't know yeah. that. No. I, did, I, know, I was like, that's Ricky Gervais. It looks like one of them piss takes that he would do as himself. Yeah. Because yeah. it's a real, he's got the flock of seagulls, 80s haircut. Yeah, like he all, was like a boy oh, band, not flashy yeah. kind of good looking fella. <laughs> 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 Ricky Gervais, yeah. I didn't know a need on it. I was like, that's not him. It was like a past past life that he led kind of thing. And then he had, the first first time I was aware of Ricky Gervais was just before The Office there was a show on Channel 4 called The 11 O'Clock Show I swear Ali G I don't know if you ever heard of Ali G yeah 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 Ali G I keep forget what age he was our boys so, uh, so, Ali G yeah, everyone knows Ali G yeah so Ali G came big on The 11 O'Clock Show but before Ali G Ricky Gervais used to be a regular contributor to that show so he'd come on and start I don't know ripping the piss out of the news or whatever was going on celebrities and all that and it was fucking hilarious mm. and then he was on MTV and then just sort of disappeared for a while and then he came back with The Office and, and the rest to this day one of my favourite things but of all he, well, he was old enough wasn't he getting into comedy yeah for like comedy he would have been probably 30s as well yeah mm. that's you know? what I was thinking yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ricky Gervais was 40 when The Office came out whoa do you know what next couple of years we're not hosting the Oscars <laughs> something wrong <laughs> <laughs> Dublin what? accents are going to be so trendy thanks to Barry Keown <laughs> <laughs> That's it now. We're, we're gonna have to become posh now. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. fucking scumbags coming out taking all the jobs, <laughs> <laughs> put on their false Dublin accent. Yeah, and all, that's yeah. what it's gonna be. Oh Jesus! Yeah. What, what do you call an ugly Leinster fan? <laughs> Deformed. Do you like that? <laughs> like that? That's for yourself. That's for the Dublin Christmas crackers. <laughs> <laughs> Dublin Christmas crackers is a good, uh, good like little that? product there. You should yeah, tell you what. They, do you feel good in that? Where, hang is. on, hang on. And I heard that's topical as well. Get... The Six Nations is on. Yeah. Here you go. Yeah, who'd you copyright? <laughs> Don't you post an idea in an envelope or something to yourself? I think that's how you copyright genuinely. What? Yeah. Fuck you, off. you write down an idea and put it in an envelope and post it to yourself. That means it's copyrighted. Now, I could be talking through <laughs> my hoop here, but I'm pretty sure that's true. Siobhan, your producer, might be able to verify that. No, do you not send off to like a, an office somewhere? And it's like, that, no. I'm sure that's probably as well, but there's, there's a loophole in the legal system whereby... What, what am I always called again? A patent. And the same yeah. thing where a patent. I was told that if you write down your letter, in, in, in a letter, put it in an envelope, post it to yourself, right. then it's copyrighted. Here's so Siobhan. Here's copyright Siobhan. That thing. Yeah, is yeah. she putting it in now? So, send a copy of Up the Walk to oneself by registered post ensuring a clear date stamp on the envelope, retaining yeah. the original uh, receipt of posting and leaving the envelope containing the copyright walk unopened, thus establishing the walk existed at the date and time. What? There you go. 
I am sending a letter to myself tonight when I get home. This podcast, lads, I'm going to copyright Dublin. This podcast, the podcast, <laughs> some fishy going on here. <laughs> would you say? Would you say there's a fishing podcast out there called Podcast? Has, has to be. be. Has to be. <laughs> if there's not, no, 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 no. Oh, Rod, Rodcast. That's what Roddy Collins has that. Yeah, he has that. Yeah. yeah. I reckon you go up to his gaff and he probably has a whole bleeding drawer full of ideas. He had to post them himself. He had to go around to them. Joke, isn't he? Oh. Oh my God, Mad. what a character. That's he keeps good. ringing me, right? He's royalty. He really is. He really cabinet royalty. Like, yeah. He says to me, uh, like, he went viral on Joe. Uh, we, I did an interview on a Vox Pop in, in uh, Henry Street. Yeah. Spire behind her and he was trying to talk about Revolut, but he was calling yeah. something else. Resolute. Resolute, yeah. yeah. And uh, and I went viral that video and he's like, Jesus, you're not to give me your now. Fucking go kick up the hole now. Take the the mill for me now. And we brought me in, did a couple of videos with him and all that. But I was in Spain last September with me boys. And I was sitting on that phone call, and it's Roddy ringing me, you know, and going, Roddy, what's the story? How are you? Um, I just thought I'd ring you to see how you were, because I heard you ain't well and all that. And he says, oh, grand, yeah. And he says, where are you? I says, I'm in Salute. Fuck off. He says, why? I'm only down the road in Camperdale. And I was like, Jay's, yeah. And he says, do you want to go over dinner tonight? And I says, I can't. It's me last night with the boys. Like, I can't just fuck off, like, you know. And then three times since then, he has a gaff in Camperdale. He rings me. Did I just see you go boy in a bike? <laughs> <laughs> Ronnie, no. I'm still in Dublin. I'd let you know he was over there, like, you know what I mean? But an absolute character. I love him a bit. Imagine Ronnie, they're ignoring me. I'm up high, I'm calling you. Ronnie, I'm in Finglas. <laughs> Three times you rang me. Are you sure I didn't see you earlier on the bike? Uh, I'll through the traffic lights. Now, oh, Roddy, seriously, I'm sitting here in the gym. How <laughs> <laughs> right. we had to get in here? Come here, you spoke about you had a good job, yeah? Yeah. And you're going into comedy, yeah? What's that transition like for you then? It was tough um, because... Can we ask I, what the job was? Already? Yeah, sorry, sorry I, used to, I used to work... I started off in a company called Lotus Development. So they made software and they were based down in the Airways Industrial Estate there uh, near the airport. And um, it was just manual... Packing boxes and operating machines and all that. And then after a couple of years, initially it was supposed to be just a Christmas job, but I stayed there for like 20 odd years then in the end, like, you know. Some Christmas job. Oh, I tell you, now, yeah, it's a long Christmas, that is. <laughs> but I, um, I, uh, then I started getting different jobs, got a job in the office and start moving up. Now, I never went to college, never had any degrees or qualifications or anything like that, but it, it was fucking all right up there, like, you know what I mean? I had a bit of uh, intelligence, I suppose, and I moved on up the rankings and then I ended up in sales. And I was in sales and I was talking about this on our podcast. Yeah. I feel like I'm repeating myself here, but I won't go into it too much, but I, I was good at what I did. I hated it, but I was very good at what I did. Like, just talk, waffle the ears off people and sell them shit. But I'd done the Joy in the Hood thing with Des and I'd already done a few big gigs with him around the country and I had a real taste for it. And then me and Will, I used to drive around the country. It was the best time. Just the two of us driving around the country doing open spots to, in front of 11 people and breaking the show laughing, talking about the gig on the way home and, you know, just... He's just an amazing company to be with, like, you know, but they were great days. And then after a while, I started getting booked for big gigs and festivals. And I was kind of going, Jesus Christ, I'm like, well, I might be able to make a bit of an hour living for this now. Obviously, I needed the support of my missus, so I couldn't just go, right, I'm packing that lovely job in. i got to yeah. be a comedian. She had to see it as well. And she did see it in fairness to her. She saw the gig start to come in. She saw me name appeared and higher up the bill all the time. And, you know, when he started the headline in the international, he started the headline in the laughter lounge. She went, oh, yeah, do you know what? You only get one life, go for it. Like, you know, and I'd say she regrets it big time. <laughs> <laughs> but here we are. You know what I mean? How <laughs> was about your first gig? The first gig was like, the Joy in the Hood experiment was, the whole idea was to uncover new 
working class comedians from disadvantaged areas. I was one of the fortunate ones to be selected. And the whole process was we were together for a month and we'd have workshops in the Axis Theatre in Ballymun every second night, three or four times a week. And it was like school. So Dad's would have us, he'd have a clipboard. Okay, guys, I want material. And we are like, what do you mean material? What do you mean? Like, you got, got some jokes. And I remember I became the first person to come up with an actual joke. And there's a moment in Joy in the Hood. It's on YouTube. You see Dad's going, hooray, we got a fucking line. We got a line at last. We got a fucking line. I was so proud because I was the first person to come up with a line, you know. And I still use it the whole time. When I say, oh, yeah. He said, people ask me, is Ballymun really as bad as people make out? And I say, it's, it's like everywhere else. We have a Habs and I have nots. That's the yeah. hard bit in the jail. Have not been caught yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, I still throw that out the odd time. Like, you know, I always get to laugh. Like, but I came up with that in the workshop and Des went, man, that's a fucking line. Nice work, man. So the first gig we had to do was the one that was going to be televised. So we had to do it in the Access Theatre in front of the local community. Now, not many comedians can say that very first gig was broadcast to the nation as ours was. But to give you a little secret, we did have one little practice gig, right? Des brought us into the International about two days before that show on the Axis, and he just threw us up on the stage. We all, four or five minutes each, shaking like leaves, like, you know what I mean? And the international audience there. Now, Dad schooled them and said, look, my new TV show's coming out. These are my guys. You better fucking support them and love yeah. them and all that. Um, but we still had to go out and do it. Yeah. My ma came, my sisters came, my brother came. Most exhilarating thing I've ever done in my life, four or five minutes. Oh, it was buzzing. Like, don't get slept for two days afterwards. Like, that fucking hell, I'm after doing it, I'm after doing it. And I got laughs. Now, there might have been pity laughs. There might have been. I don't know, but I think the fuck all I heard was laughs. I was delighted. And then I did the gig that night, or the Sunday night in the Axis, and didn't die. It was great. It was going, oh my God, this is great. And then Dez, of course, brought us on top of them. And very quickly, you're getting used to the big gigs and the fancy fucking dressing rooms and the riders. Oh, and all moved that. fast. Oh, me. man, really fast. And then, but then you knew, we knew the tour wasn't going to go on forever and that yeah. we'd have to go back to the circuit and just, you know, earn our spores and our stripes by doing open spots. And that's what we did. And as I said, those two years at Willard driving around the country, it was some of the funniest, best days of my life, like, you know. And I remember the first time we ever got paid, we got paid together. We were playing a gig down in Cork in the Half Moon Theatre, which is a small little room at the back of the Cork Opera House. And uh, me and Will and I were doing 10 minutes each, but we did really well, the two of us. And a man gave us 50 euro each, and the two of us thought we'd won the lotto. We were skip, holding hands, skipping down the bleeding keys <laughs> and going, we're professionals now, we're professionals. <laughs> I'm a real boy, man, I'm a real boy. <laughs> so, uh, so that's how it all started. And as I said, it just started getting better and money got better. And, you know, your diary was getting, like, I, I noticed what was happening was, I was looking at my diary and the next six months were booked out. I was going, mm. Jesus Christ, I'm all right. I don't really have to do the day job. Now, I could have maybe done both, but if you burn the candle at both ends, you'd be bleeding wrecked. And, you know, I think if you spread yourself too thinly, you won't be good any good to anybody. Like, you mm. know what I mean? So I needed to commit to it. Now, come here. I didn't just leave IBM. I chased them. Mm. We're bleeding. How are you? A package. Like, you know what I mean? And then eventually they did. <laughs> as well as said, not. <laughs> Not the same as the package I got off your man the NSC. I was doing five years. <laughs> so, well, like, you got like, yeah, look, I'll jump if you give me a little push. Yeah, the buzz. yeah, they knew because they'd watched the TV show, so they were all very aware of it. Like, you know, yeah. so and they knew I was doing gigs, and a few of the heads from work had come in to see me and all that. And I made me feel as clear. I went down to HR and I said, Look, I know you're after giving a few golden handshakes out there. I would love one. But they kept me waiting for about, I'd say, nine months um, after my initial inquiry. But then I got the phone call. Uh, we might have something for you. Fucking cartwheel down the bleeding offices. Where? Here we go. Where do I sign? Where do I sign? Mm. Oh, that I was feel it. Like that would work as well. Like I don't realise. You know, people people are coming up to me after the show and on whispering in my ear. We walk in your office because I like I don't want them to know where I am. Do you know what oh, I mean? Right, yeah. And I was like, 
I'd be like, yeah, do you want to get a picture? Yeah, and someone would whisper me, yeah, I've woken you up. And I look like, shut your fucking, fucking mouth. Shut your mouth, get in here and get a picture. Get out of here then, do you know what I mean? Don't let anyone know. Keep... So you're like, like Slugworth in uh, Willy Wonka? Yeah. Yeah, the everlasting gobstopper. That's me. Do you know what I mean? And then, but then like, we're on the Late Late Show and I'm like, you can't really hide no, you that. Can't you, that. You, you can't hide it. No. Do you know what I mean? Like, imagine someone just lick it through and be like, Fucking, <laughs> fucking man Calvin. In the office. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a fella punted me last week. Yeah, he's a German fella now. And he was like, oh, I know you do a podcast, but I didn't realise it was that big. And he was like, oh, I was watching it on the Late Late Show and I was like, Jesus, he must be very nervous. Uh, I hope he had a few drinks beforehand. And he's like, but then I remembered you don't drink. And I was like, yeah, and Terence, who I do with, doesn't drink either. And he was like, wow. And you had Michal Martin on your podcast. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. And he was like, that's mad. And I was like, oh, you sit facing this fella every day and you had a clue. Do you know what I mean? And I'm yeah. like, it's, it's hard for people to grasp sometimes. Like, you know, and that's a great thing about Dublin people and Dublin comedians. Like, I don't think there's any airs and graces around the lads that are doing the comedy. Speaking like, like if me and Wella attempted to have airs and graces about us, we'd be quickly brought down to Yeah, hurtful. and I'm afraid of that. I'm yeah. really afraid of that. Oh, yeah, you have to kind of keep your counsel and keep keep your feet on the ground. And the second you show a little bit of up your own... Who's he think he is? Yeah, 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 yeah. You're getting it. Like, yeah, you know I mean? yeah. And that's a good thing. I don't mind that we'll at get all. get off him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fella keep me in check, yeah? Oh, all the time. All the time. He's gone middle class. He's a coffee machine in the gaffer. Like. Oh, coffee machine? Very I bet you have one as well. I used to. Got rid of it. Well, keep you humble. Yeah, keep you humble. <laughs> Boil that kettle. Keep it real. Keep it real. Yeah. I just uh, replaced it with two litres of soda. Yeah. yeah. A flagon. <laughs> two flagons, yeah. Um, so, you said you, you kind of grinned with it. Yeah. Do you think that kind of more benefited you? You have more life experience. Yeah. You know? You're able to navigate certain situations then. Do you know what I mean? As you said, you probably were able to keep yourself grounded more because mm -hmm. you knew what it was like. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, 100%. And, and that was the thing. Like, that came up in the conversation with Des when I said, when I asked him, am I too old? And he goes, no, man, you, you know, funny is funny. And he said, he said, if anything, you've got an advantage because you've got life experiences, you've got kids, you've got, mm. you know, you've been through shit. Like, you know what I mean? You know, not as much shit as Willa. No, <laughs> let's be honest. Yeah, two, two lives. He's, he's a movie waiting to happen, that fella. But um, the fact that uh, I had kids and, you know, I, I lived in different areas like Northland, Fingers, Ballymun, had all them life experiences and it did help. You know, like I see young comedians now and when they're doing stand-up, you see them at the odd open spot and some of them try to be really controversial to stand out from the crowd. I, I get the whole wanting to stand out in the crowd, but they're going in and they're talking about, you know, subjects like rape and shit, like, you know, molesting and all that. And you're like, you know, even the, the most experienced, skilled comedians in the world would find shit like that difficult to pull off, to get a laugh out of. And you've got this young fella on stage trying to be really controversial and all he's doing is just turning the whole crowd against him and, mm. and it's a slow seven-minute death. It's horrific to see, like, you know what I mean? I don't... Most comedians don't like watching other comedians dying, but there are one or two, oh, yeah... Let me see that fucker die. Uh, just can't see that. It's cringy, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I want everyone to do well. Well, relatively. <laughs> yeah, not me. Chris is going on before me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Have you got a moment where you died of death and that sticks out to you? One of the worst gigs I ever did was, I was very inexperienced. I was only doing it a year, two years, whatever. And there was another Dublin comic at the time, Paddy Courtney. I love Paddy, still out there. Paddy, if you're listening and watching, and he is this, he, he does follow the podcast. I love you, Paddy. How are you, pal? Paddy used to do a lot of, he used to be a resident MC in the Laughter Lounge and he used to do a lot of warm-ups for TV shows and all that kind of thing, the late, late and all that. And he asked me one day, he says, Eric, I'm after being asked to do this thing out in Slane Castle, right? It's Celtic woman 
that recording a DVD for the American market. So it's all these women singing gorgeous Celtic songs. And when I went out, it's this big stage set up, fire and brimstone, a big fucking orchestra. And I had to walk out onto the stage and like about 30 fucking coaches arrived and it was all American tourists. And I'm going, fuck, American tourists aren't exactly my demographic here. Like, you know what I mean? And he walked, he, they all sat down. And I went out and I did me, how are you, five minutes. I said, Roy, show's going to start now. I was all right. wasn't too bad at all. And I thought, this is handy, you know. I went off stage again. And then it started raining. And they had to take the orchestra and the girls that were singing off the stage. And your man just fucked me back out onto the stage. And I, was like, <laughs> I had about four minutes of material left at that stage. But I was stood out there in the rain, lashing rain, 15 minutes on my own. Just going, um, um. <laughs> And anyone, anyone got an umbrella and some woman walked up and handed me an umbrella and I'm standing there with the umbrella and I had the microphone in my hand and uh, and I just start singing. It's like, oh, I'm singing in the rain. And they all just start joining in, singing in the rain. So I got out of it to an extent, but comedy-wise, that was horrific because I had nothing. I was in over my head. Do you know what I mean? I thought I'd have to go on, do five minutes and I could just go home. But because nature of warm-ups is, particularly an outdoor warm-up is, you're at the mercy of the elements. Yeah. So once that rain comes, you're back out on that stage and you're trying to entertain that crowd and you're like, for fuck's sake, I've only got four minutes of material left yeah. and they're all Americans. Yeah. So keep something in the back pocket. Just yeah, 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 100%. Now, I've done lots of warm-ups since then and it's much easier now when you're more experienced. You know what I mean? You've got a big arsenal of material and then you're much more confident talking to people, interacting with them, you know, asking them where they're from and all that kind of usual bullshit. But uh, yeah, now that always sticks in my mind. It was too much too soon. I remember one of the directors, I think he was a director. I don't know how, I don't know if you knew I was inexperienced. You probably did when you seen the performance I put on, how inexperienced it was. He came up to me and went, you'll never walk in this town again. <laughs> I think it was Hollywood. Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what are you, sham? Yeah. Where are you now? Now, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> no, I, I hate even the thought of comedians dying on stage it really really you just feel like oh god oh, yeah it's, oh, oh. yeah it's hard I get that feeling in my stomach even thinking about it. Yeah. we're just sitting there and we're just talking about it yeah. and I have that feeling in my stomach of like that must genuinely be the worst feeling in the world it is I remember one time as well me and Will I were brought over to Edinburgh by Jason Bourne and he kind of took a shine to us because we were Dublin comedians even in Jason's career he hadn't seen Dublin comedians kind of thing so he took a shine to us and he says you got to come over to Edinburgh the greatest comedy festival in the world we went over and we were real cocky me and Will I yeah I'll be enjoying the hood and all yeah I'm going to be doing gigs in the internet and all and Jason's gone <laughs> and he brings us to this show called Late and Live you know, it's it's one of the, the most famous shows you can do in Edinburgh. It's called Late and Live, so it's on after midnight. Everyone's locked. It's a bear pit. Someone told us about Neil yeah. Delamere. Neil, Neil Delamere, Delamere. Yeah. yeah. Neil would have done it a few times. Mm -hmm. yeah. But it's a bear pit, like, you know, like that bane for blood, like, you know. And Jay was the host. I mean, we're out there on the back going, it was fucking great, isn't it? And then he introduces us. He brings me on and brings Willa on. Two of us died and awful. Like, all we remember is the sound of our own footsteps walking off the stage. <laughs> Oh. And the feedback off the mic. Thanks very much. See us. <laughs> and we thought we were gas up to that point. And it was just Jay showing us, you know, lads, you've a long way to go. Like, before yeah, you think yeah, yourselves, yeah, you know, yeah. have made or are going to be good at this, like, you know. But uh, yeah, no, come here. I've no regrets about it at all. The best thing I ever did. And I'd encourage anybody who is thinking about it just to go for it. You only get one life. Yeah. You, you are going to die a death. Oh, of course, it's, you, have I think, to. you have it's to. inevitable yeah. comedy. I think it's it's a rite of passage almost. Like, yeah. I think everyone has to die to realise what you need to walk on. And it keep, as you say, it keeps your feet on the ground. You learn so much more from the shit gigs 
than you do them. Like those gigs in Vicar Street are a piece of piss. Like they're so easy. You walk out, there's a thousand people there. You're doing your jokes. They're all there. They all want to laugh. Yeah. They're primed. They're ready to laugh. They're there. And you just have to go. And they're like, ah, fucking brilliant. You know what I mean? Now it's yeah. not that easy, obviously. But one thing I do love about Irish audiences, though, right? This is the thing I noticed. Like, people think with comedians that heckling is a common thing. It's not a common thing at all. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because yeah. I always think, you know, because I seen a video, I don't know if you spoke about this, it came up on YouTube and it was Jimmy Carr's 25 top heckle moments. I've, <laughs> I think I've watched that same video before. With yeah. You, and it, yeah. it came up, I just watched it then, do you know what I mean? And I remember thinking, like, you want to be brazen to heckle somebody because a friend of ours came to... Uh, one of our live shows and he's like oh, I'm going to give you a load of stick and I goes mate listen there's 2,000 people in the audience and only two people have microphones yeah, yeah. so don't there's only going to be one winner here yeah, yeah, yeah I was yeah, like yeah. I wouldn't advise it being yeah. honest with you because you might sting me with something but Terrence might get you then yeah. and people will hear what Terrence said yeah you know, and it has happened yeah it not everyone happened. will hear what you said yeah. you know what I mean so the five or six people around you will laugh but then the other 19 and wherever all 100 people will laugh and Terrence says something back and that's what people don't realise yeah the person with the microphone will always have the power yeah. You know, but you see, the thing is with, with heckling, like it's a good decision. I know for me, it's a good decision. I go, is it good? Is it a good heckle for a start? Is it a good heckle that yeah. you work with? Or is it just mindless drunken bollocks? Yeah. Like, you yeah. know? So quite often I'll go make a judgment call. And if the crowd reacts and laughs, you've got to go for it yeah. and react to it. But if they're just like, and it's just somebody fucking rambling, you tend to ignore it. But I remember being in the lounge one night and there was a comedian on stage and I was standing down the back. And there was some prick at the back mounting at him, whoever it was on stage, can't even remember now. But the, all the people around him, the fella that was mounting turned around and went, Who are you? We fucking paid 20 euros into here, damn, not you, you yeah. prick. Yeah. And the man just sank back into the seat like that. Yeah. And that's what I look at Irish audiences. They, uh, they're good at self policing sometimes. Like, well, you that's know? You, it's literally what I was going to say there. Yeah. Like, in terms any, any of our shows and someone's heckling, you always hear the crowd turning yeah. on them. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Like, you'll always get, like, You'll always get people heckling, especially a few drinks on them and all that. Sometimes it actually genuinely is funny and we'll even laugh and whatever, but then you always do have that one person. But the crowd snaps. Oh, the yeah. crowd's yeah. like, mate, yeah. shut your mouth. Yeah. I see that every show. And another thing with drunken people as well is that even if you deal with them and put them in the box, they still keep coming back because they, yeah, they think the show is all about yeah. them then. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And you're like, oh, for fuck's sake. Like, mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. because what we're talking about there with... Uh, Dublin comedians not being enough of them and like how many funny people that we know and how quick and witty people are heckling someone from Dublin I think is like oh like I've heard comedians now comedians are great at dealing with hecklers but I do think like do you want to go into a slagger match with someone from Dublin yeah do you know what I mean that's oh you're signing your own death wish there yeah yeah because like every second person from Dublin has that kind of wit about and I actually that, it's funny you should say that actually when I started doing gigs outside of Dublin like down to Cork and Galway and all that I was kind of worried kind of going is this going to like, is this going to translate into culture like you know what I mean mm. which is a stupid thing to say but that's how I was feeling but the amount of people who come up to you from the likes of Cork and Galway and Wexford and all going there's something about the Dublin accent mm. and and the jokes that just make them for, it's, for us I think I can equate it to Kevin Bridges yeah, the Glasgow accent. Yeah. Like I equate it. Like his accent is so perfect for comedy, but then there's other people who think the Dublin accent is perfect for comedy. So mm. it's a weird thing. Like you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I think uh, Culties love. You could just go on a rant about something, and Culties would love it because it's in their accent. You yeah, you could say like you got a punch at this morning, yeah. and you were late for walk, and you just told that story. People would think that's hilarious. Yeah, you could yeah. Be like I'm not even trying to be funny. Yeah, I was telling you what happened to me today. <laughs> yeah. and, but you have to finish the story by saying, "Say we ended up having pints." 
Yeah, yeah. You yeah. love that. You yeah. love points, everything, yeah. So don't heckle is the point, isn't it? Yeah. Someone heckled Will Adi. <laughs> oh, did they? Yeah. Don't, they didn't heckle, they, they didn't were heckle. just talking. Sorry, they were talking. He goes, where'd you just learn to whisper in the helicopter? Ah, <laughs> yeah. That's an L. There's a few stock put-downs, <laughs> and that's one of them. Yeah. You know, is some, that a few go-to? Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, sometimes, like, you'd hear the glass smashing. And you go, oh, someone's up there dropping the contact lens, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like that, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, well, that must be a gift because you'd be like, there's oh, 40 yeah. seconds of laughs, no problem. Yeah, there, you know what right. I mean? Like, I mean, just on that glass thing, this is weird. I'm doing a bit at the moment. I have been doing a bit at the moment about the pandemic, you know, because I don't, did you hear about the pandemic? Did you hear about it? Best thing that ever happened to oh, us. Yeah, that's <laughs> it was in the kitchen or something starting, wasn't it? Yeah. Was, I fucking love that. I love that. <laughs> Beautiful story. But, um, I was on stage in the Laughter Lounge the very first night Ireland had its first case of the coronavirus, right? And I tell the story and this is, and when I announced it to the crowd, it was breaking news, and I announced it to the Laughter Lounge, says, ladies and gentlemen, we've had a first case of the coronavirus. And when I said it, right? Everyone probably cheered it. It was met with the same noise yeah. and energy as if, you know, when you go to a packed pub and someone spills over a pint. And I'm, yeah. <laughs> It was that exact sound. Yeah. And then I go, Roy, let's try and recreate that moment. So I do it again. I go, ladies and gentlemen, tonight in Ireland we had a first case of the coronavirus. And you all go, yeah! And then I go, because little did we fucking know. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I was out. I was out that night. It was like midweek. And uh, do you remember there was ships and all, cruise ships. They wouldn't yeah, let dock. Cruise ship, yeah. They wouldn't let them dock. Yeah. All that was going on. And we were in uh, the woolshed. Oh, then Parnell Street there, yeah? Yeah, they had a, a quiz night. There was Champions League and all on. Yeah. And we were out for that. And uh, in the quiz, your man was like, I'm glad you are all out. And none of us are afraid of this big, scary virus that's going to get us all. And everyone was laughing. And the week later, we went into lockdown. Oh, man. <laughs> I remember Jesus. thinking, that fella literally only said that a couple yeah. of days ago. I remember I remember looking at Cheltenham, because Cheltenham was on at the time. And there was loads of water over that. Yeah, yeah, and they had it. The Brits didn't give a fuck, really. Yeah. I think they shut down for two but days. There was more to remember, because loads of people <laughs> went over to that. Everyone was like, look at them yeah. holes going yeah. over. Yeah. And they were all, like, obviously the people going to Cheltenham have a few bob as well like, you know oh we're a fucking rich middle class bastard yeah. a fuck about the rest of us but uh, yeah it was just a scary time it was a mental time when you look back at it we were locked in our gaps mm. for months upon months it was ah listen move on swiftly yeah <laughs> bad memories come here what's, what's the big dream for a comedian one of my biggest dreams always was to sell out my own Vicar Street show that was always a dream of mine and it's still a dream of mine this show that I'm doing in September is the biggest solo show I've ever done. Um, I've done a couple of polo, so, polo shows. A couple of solo shows. <laughs> the podcast and the polo shows. You know, <laughs> you know who he is from. You might be actually from Dorky. <laughs> polo shows. Porky. Um, but I was in a, I, I did a, I did a solo show in the Sugar Club in town and I did a solo show in the Axis and Ballymun. They were two different solo shows. But this is the biggest one of all. Uh, but the dream, yeah, for me as a comedian, is Vicar Street. I've done Vicar Street so many times over the years, but usually as a part of a, a big comedy lineup for a charity gig or opening for someone like uh, Des, PJ, Al Porter, Jason, all of those people over the years, you know? Yeah. So um, that would be just amazing for me to walk out on stage in Vicar Street and it's sold out. That mm. would be, Vicar Street is iconic, isn't it, for ah. comedians? I, any, this one, we were only chatting about this the other day. Any comedian that we've ever had in here have all just spoke so highly about Vicar Street. They're all Vicar Street. They're all like, fuck the out, fuck the yeah. tree arena. Yeah. Vicar Street, you want. Well, I mean, the tree arena is like, it's a great venue for music, I think, but I have gone to a couple of comedy shows in the tree arena and it's kind of too big. Do you know what I mean? Especially if you're up there at the yeah. back. You're kind you're of You're just looking at the screen. Yeah. yeah. And with, with comedy, you need a connection. You need yeah. to fucking feel as if you're in, you can, you can almost smell his breath kind of thing, like, you know what I mean? But I mean, I went to see Kevin Bridges in the tree arena and now, luckily, Kevin sorted us out with good tickets. Yeah. We're up near the front. 
months. So it didn't feel too bad. But I went to see John Bishop one time and it was a bit further away and it just didn't feel feel right, like, you know what I mean? Mm. So Vicar Street, oh, it's just the perfect, perfect venue for comedy. You've got that big, massive stage. Everyone's in front of you and they're all down below you as well and yeah. then the balconies aren't too high above you. Yeah. It's just the perfect, aesthetically, it's the most perfect venue to do comedy, I think, in Ireland, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, Bren, if you're out there... <laughs> I'm making promotions. Let's do it, baby. <laughs> Bren Barry, yeah, be like, yeah, once you sell more than 40 tickets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come here, you've done a bit, uh, bit of acting. Yeah. You dabbled yeah. in that as well. Yeah, I, I, um, how did it all start? My agent, I have an agent, right? My agent sent me down for an, uh, an audition for Love Hey when it was on. Right? And I had no acting experience or whatever. And um, Maureen Hughes was the casting director, and I was doing the audition. And, she, and during the audition, she was going, very good, very good. <laughs> and I was going, oh, yeah, no, but I was thinking that. She probably says that to everyone to keep them, you know, not too nervous. And then the next day I got a phone call saying, nice one, you're in. I was like, what? <coughs> yeah, nice one, yes, found yeah. I'm, I'm in. <laughs> Told all my mates and family. Then I got another phone call the next day going, Eric, I'm really sorry, but RT you've overruled me. And I was like, what? I'm about to tell everyone. <laughs> oh, no. So, uh, but anyway, Maureen said, look, what we're going to do is we're going to start this screen acting class and we're going to just invite people that we want to work with. So luckily enough, I got on this free screen acting course down in Barrow Street in Rings End in the old factory studios. And I was in a class with Barry Keown, Jack Rayner, half the cast of Love He. I felt like I was in over my head kind of thing. So I started getting little parts in short films, the odd little drama here, there and everywhere. And then I got the part in uh, in Fair City. And like, you know, people like to slag it off and all that. But my God, it's huge. Like, I'm still to this day getting, you know, handbags bashed off me back <laughs> by grannies in supermarkets going, you know, fucking leave cattle alone. You know, and I haven't been in the show in four years. Like, you know, <laughs> I knew Fair City was a big deal, but I didn't realise how big of a deal until I did it. Yeah. And then, especially down the country, when you were walking around anywhere, I remember being down in Cork one time on Patrick Street, there O'Connell Street, walking along and people were beeping horns and roaring out the window. And I'm looking around to see if there's someone else. And then I realised they were all talking to me. They're all going, oh, Spillan, what are you doing down here in the Rebel County? And then stopping the cars, getting out of the cars, coming over, getting selfies with me in the middle of the street. Like, you know, oh, it's just crazy. Me ma says to me, me ma's a big fan of Fair City. When I got the part, she was delighted, you know. Mm. And I was going, ma, but I'm you know, playing a nasty bastard. And I got my bollocks in it. She says, I don't care. And then she was watching me three or four weeks into the show. My God, you're an apple bollocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, it's something, come here, it's something I still dabble in the odd time. I love acting. It's a completely different discipline to comedy. And I feel more pressure with acting because it's someone else's words. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where, where you don't stand up, it's your words. You fuck up, it's grand. But you want to do justice to the person who's written those words for you. You want to give your best for them. And that's why I always feel acting does that little bit more pressure than stand up. Yeah. Mm. You met Roy Keane before. Yeah. Tell us about that. I um I was doing a gig at the Irish Soccer Writer Awards in the Conrad Hotel, I think it was. Big black toy event, all the international Martin O'Neill, Roy Keane were there and uh, all the League of Ireland managers and players and it was a massive big big event. And I went up on stage and Roy was like in the like just very close to the stage and Martin O'Neill. And I remember being like Roy Keane was my idol, you know what I mean? Like my idol. And I'm going up on stage going, I can't believe I'm doing a fucking gig of Roy Keane's in the fucking front row. I can't fucking believe it. So I started doing the gig, did 20, 25 minutes, but I kept glancing down. I could see him laughing. And here I was, fucking making Roy Keane laugh. This is fucking deadly, you know? But before the gig started, I acknowledged his presence. I went, ladies and gentlemen, uh, 
I just have to say in front of everyone here and to you, Roy Keane, Roy, me and you, after this, can we have a photograph together? And he just looked up and went, no. <laughs> and went, well, that's clear. That up, everyone. And they all broke the shit laughing. And it just, it just cut the ice straight yeah, away. Yeah. Like, and they were all on site. So the gig was, was nice and handy for me then. 20, 25 minutes, bang, bang, bang. Laugh, laugh, laugh. Great crack. And then I walked off stage and I walked past Roy's table and he's sitting in his chair and he leans back like that on his chair and he grabs me by the arm. And I go, oh, Jesus, Roy Keane's grabbing me by the arm. I don't, like, what do you say? Starty, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? And he goes, of course, you can have a picture. He says, well, let's not do it here. We'll do it out in the lobby because they'll all be asking. Mm. Yeah, right, sound. I'll meet you out there in five minutes. So you have me out there five minutes later and we got a photograph taken together. It's great. Delighted. Yeah. One of the highlights of my life. <laughs> Is he the most famous person you've ever met? <clears throat> no. I met Bono. I was like, I do. Is Bono more famous than Roy Keane? Yeah? Yes. We've had this conversation. No, so I'd never read oh, Hang on. How famous, Bono? Right, right, I suppose he's a daft chief general. You said, what are you? No, hang on. Millennials. No, no, wait for a minute, wait for a minute. You need to realise for a second. Terence is just out of touch with, like, pop culture. Okay. Yeah. That's all right, no wrong with that. We had this conversation a few weeks ago, and it was like, who was the most famous Irish person, wasn't it? Yeah. And we were thinking, Bono. So it's funny that you said Bono was the most famous person you've ever met. Yeah, yeah. I would have. You see, in my generation, I suppose... I, like bon, you two were massive like, like they were the soundtrack to my youth growing up like you know what I mean I had all their records loved them and I finally got to meet them like I mean because they and like as a kid growing up it was weird seeing Irish bands on shows like Top of the Pops like you'd be like because I remember the only Irish act I ever seen on Top of the Pops was fucking Foster and Allen you know the two lads doing the trad in there, like, no, that, that's before there that there you go yeah, right, so you, you, know. Like, you know like a trad band like the Chiefs yeah. or anything like that but like, a little bit more diddly eye wearing green velvet plumes and green velvet jackets and you're like for fuck's sake that's representing Ireland on top of the pops do you know what I mean mm. where they all had Spandau Ballet and Duran Duran and we had two fellas in velvet green underpants singing banjo songs but then we seen the likes of you two and whatever getting on and then people thinking they were really cool and we were going jeez they're Irish they're from Dublin and they gave a lot of people in Dublin a lot of hope you know what I mean that People from Dublin can do big yeah. global things, like you know what I mean. So to me, Bonner would always be would, would be more famous. But I totally get the Roy Keane thing because Roy Keane played football. Let's be honest now. I don't know what persuasion he's are Liverpool or Man United, but Manchester United probably up there, the top three biggest clubs in the world. They definitely um, are. I don't yeah. easy United fan. I'm a Liverpool fan. They, I'm a United fan. They're definitely top three, top five biggest yeah. clubs in the world. And he was the captain of their most successful era. Yeah. So this is what I would have been convinced that like a sports star would always be the most famous person in every country. Well, do you know what? Except for America. Here's another one. Like in Europe, I mean. Here's another one, right? And it's a mad one. I was telling you I follow Bowles, right? Yeah. And they have this weird affiliation with Johnny Logan. Yeah. yeah. Hold me now. Like, hold me now, yeah. And that all started, Bowles were on a European trip and they were in Norway or something like that. And a lot of Bowles fans were sitting in the beer garden having a few points and the locals coming over going, ah, where are you from? And they're like, Ireland. And they're like, ah, Johnny Logan. The lads are all going, oh, yeah, Johnny Logan, yeah. So they just can't start singing Johnny Logan songs. And that's ever since to that day now. Johnny you've Logan. about half time singing and all. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, singing, it's been sung at the matches, which is bizarre. Like, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, but uh, what are we talking about? The most famous person from well, the country. every country. Like, not like you mentioned Sports, Norway there. That's, that's, that's a good show. Like no? The most famous person from Sweden. You'd have to say Abba. No, you'd say Abba. Oh, shit. Abba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But Ibrahimovic would be close, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah. He wouldn't be fired off. Like, like, that's a good, good show, Terrence, I have to say. That is know, good that boy would always talk. Yeah. Who's think... the most famous Australian? Yeah, but Brian. see, no, that's why I said in Europe. Remember, I said oh, Europe. America, and then yeah. I was actually in Europe. Mm. Like, in Europe, 
So, yeah, I mean, if you're thinking, see, we don't know, say, say France, massive country, we wouldn't know who the biggest French pop stars were. No, or, or, or French know. actors or anything. No, exactly, no, but yeah. we would know who their sports well, look stars at were, footballers. Boys, mm. Mbappe, Mbappe yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, football, I agree with footballers, yeah. 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 But I think with Ireland, like, we, we have done a lot of stuff in general, not just in football, in boxing, horse riding. Yeah. But we do have a lot of actors, a lot of big actors, a lot of big singers as well. You yeah, know what I mean? But do. even our footballers aren't the stars that they should be. Does that make sense? Like, I know where you're coming Roy from. Roy Keane's yeah. a star. Robbie Keane is a star. Evan Ferguson potentially. Potentially yeah. could be, but he's yeah. not that star but yet. These no. boys. If I go home and say, Ma, Evan Ferguson's got a goal today. Who the fuck is Evan Ferguson? If you right. go home and say Roy Keane or Robbie Keane, they all know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? But so Barry Keoghan would be bigger than Evan Ferguson. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so he would be now, wouldn't he? Who would be the most, who would you think is the most famous Irish celebrity? When you put it like that now, if, when you put it like that, I suppose it would be neck and neck then between Bono and Roy Keane, I think. I think purely because the amount of people who follow football, like I'm watching that documentary on Netflix at the moment, The Captains. Yeah, the World Cup one. Fucking brilliant. Mm. Mm. And when you see the amount of people, like the 1.3 billion people watch the World Cup final, that's fucking mental. Mm. One in four people or one in five people have watched the World Cup final. That's nuts around the planet. But then you look at record sales that you two have made over the years and it's in the hundreds of millions. Like, yeah. It's mental. And, you know, he's at the forefront of all this political stuff yeah. as well. And he's often criticised for that, you know. But I think, you know, I always give Bono the benefit of the doubt and go, well, look, I mean, he's used his platform for what he thinks is a good thing. Like, you know, I remember him in the film that they did, Rattling Home, there's a scene where him and the Edge are throwing stones out into the sea. And, yeah, and Bono says to Edge, yo, Edge, you'd never made it into our gang in Ballymun. And I was thinking to myself, oh God, Bono, I, yeah. I love you and all that. There's no way you're up in Ballymun, like, you know. And no self-respect on Ballymun or whatever, write a song called Vertigo. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Where did you meet him? You I, said you met him, you never actually got to the point where you met him. <laughs> so so I, I do a bit of work for Joe.ie, right? I've been with him for a good few years. And I've, when I think back on the things that I've got on the other Joe.ie, it's incredible. So one of the brilliant things, they know they knew I was a big U2 fan, right? So I get called into the office one day and they were starting off the Joshua Tree anniversary world tour in Seattle. And the manager rings me and goes, do you want to go to Seattle this weekend? And I was like, what? See you too. I was like, fucking right, I do. And we went over with a load of journalists, Irish journalists. And it was the most amazing experience of my life. I'd never been to Seattle before for a start. We went up to see Coca Bain's gaff. Where, yeah. You know, he, Nirvana. Yeah. yeah. And then we went up to the stadium where the gig was. And I was interviewing people in the line. You know, they come from all over the world because it was you two's first show of the new tour people from Australia, Japan, it was great. And then we got access into the stadium before the crowd did. So the journalists were in the middle of this big, massive football pitch where the Seahawks play. And you two were on stage doing a sound check. And then Vonna goes, oh, there's the Irish journals. And I was like, oh my God, he can see us. Fucking <laughs> hell. All the other journals are like, well, your man. Like, yeah, yeah. I've been excited. The rest were all like, they've been doing it, doing it years. Like, you know, Roy's like a big excited kid. And we were brought into the underbelly of the stadium um, where they do all the catering for the staff. And I was like, what's the story? He must be getting a dinner or something deadly. And um, and then Edge and Adam walk in and they sit down on our table, big round table, and all the journalists put their phones out and start recording. And he was like, oh, Jay, sorry, do the same thing, like, you know. And I was like, wow, this is fucking class. And then the two boys got up and then in walks fucking Bono and, uh, and Adam. And I'm like, oh, my Jesus Christ. And he's like two, three people away from me. And then he was talking for a little bit. And then I, I stood up and the label, one of the label people went to me, what are you doing? I just, uh, I just 
going over here. She says, you're going to try and get a selfie, aren't you? And I says, yeah, is that all right? And she goes, I'd rather you didn't because all the Sony music executives are there as well. And I was like, all right, sound yeah. But as soon as that interview was over, all right, every single journalist grabbed that phone and went, yeah, Bono, yeah, like that. And I looked at her and went, fuck off. I says, I went to him and says, how are you, Bono? I says, uh, I'm a fellow Northsider, massive fan of your work, Eric Lawler. He goes, Eric, I know who you are, right? And he gives me a hug. And he goes, and I says, can we get a picture? He says, of course we can. And he puts his head on my shoulder, right? And the, the, the journalists were slagging the fuck out of me for the rest of the, the trip because in their pictures, he was quite distant with them. But with me, he was like almost affectionate kind of thing. Like, you know, they were all calling me Bono's pet <laughs> for the rest of the bleeding trip, like, you know. So that's how I met him. It was amazing. Now, when I say he said he knew me, I put up the, I remember putting the picture up on Facebook and the caption was, he obviously watches Fair City. <laughs> you know what I mean? But apparently what they do is they do background checks on everyone. So they would have done their homework on me because they knew I was coming to interview them. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when he said, oh, I know who you are, he fucking knew who he was. Yeah. <laughs> Probably knew me star sign and everything, like, you know. Yeah. APS and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they're doing the residency now in the sphere, don't they? In the sphere, yeah. Yeah. Now, I'd love to go that. residency in the sphere, I mean? Like, you're constantly playing. That's it, then. You'll, like, you are the resident performer, yeah. Not only they'll play that, but you constantly are playing that. What, what, how would you explain a residency? So, a residency, I suppose. So, so like, Celine Dion would have been a resident, had a residency in Vegas as well, in a mm. different venue. So, they would have booked her for six months. So, you're going to do a like show every there every second night for whatever, six yeah. months. That's the residency. But you get paid millions. Ridiculous money because it's Vegas. And plus, like, if you go to Vegas, then it's probably $1,000 a ticket. Mm. And she'd be playing tomorrow night as well. But yeah. you won't be in Vegas for like three days or something. So, you you want to go and see her, yeah, do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and like it's, have you seen the? The sphere. It looks unreal, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it looks little, but. You can imagine what all the other, like when the DJs and all get in there, um, the visuals they're going to create, like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. incredible, like. This weekend gone was the cheapest tickets for that because the Super Bowl was on as well. Oh, of course, yeah. So they balance it out, and that mad to think, yeah. they balance it out, they're like, look, you can go watch Super Bowl because the Super Bowl was in the Vegas in as Vegas well. As well, yeah. So they're like, but you can come to see you too, probably be cheaper. <laughs> Who do you reckon the biggest Irish person is now? Do you still reckon it's Bono? Like McGregor is a good shout as well because mm. of the popularity of the, the UFC. Um, I mean, when I think of that, I try and think of like if I go home and ask me ma or my auntie or someone a person's name, would they know it? And then because I try and think of all the household names, like so not young people, yeah, talking everybody. So all the young people know McGregor, but there's all the old ones. And well, then I think in that, if that's the case, then Ted, but I think I it's think... the opposite with Bono. Then the young people. Uh, don't, I don't know Bono I as much. Bono, I think a lot more people would know Bono than McGregor now at this stage. In Ireland, if you were to walk into any gap and say, do you know who Bono is? Going, yeah, that book I need you, whoever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Probably say the same about <laughs> McGregor. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you reckon there's, uh, there's places in the world where either of them could walk down the street and no one would come over to them? No. No, unless it's like a really kind of Swabby, yeah, yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, it's somewhere like it's very primitive that doesn't have electricity, like the Outback mm. in Australia or something, like you know, mm. walking through the bash. Ah, these Bono. Yeah. Good night, But uh, no, I don't think there's anywhere they could walk down. Definitely not. Especially McGregor with his arms all over. Yeah, <laughs> swinging them. <laughs> it's mad to think that, isn't it? There's like people that can't go anywhere in the world because of their family. Oh my God. Like, I mean, like you have a little taste of it as well. You know, I'm sure when you are out, you get asked for the odd mm. picture and all that. And, and I get that as well. And my mates think it's the fucking funniest thing ever. Like, like when we're going out with a drink, they're going, they're like, I suppose you'll have to fucking pay people to come over and ask for photographs, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> and they come over going, hell, you're going to chance for a photograph. And you do the photograph. 
And me mates be telling whoever it was, asking, you know, he's a fucking idiot. Yeah. I'm like, what are you asking? <laughs> yeah. The exact same. The exact same. What the fuck do you want to pitch away him for? Yeah. And then sometimes they'd be messing, like someone would walk past and they'd look and they'd be like, yeah, it is him. And I'd be like, shut up, will you, you tick? Like, yeah. stop. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, ah. Oh. My young fellas get a great kick out, particularly around the fair city, because when I'd walk into supermarkets, that's where the L ones, that's their, that's yeah, their that, ground. That's our territory. Yeah. <laughs> and they come after me in the supermarket, like, you know, and I'd be walking with the trolley or whatever and the two boys would, would walk 10 yards behind me because when I walk past people they'd all go there's that prick yeah. and then the boys would go yeah they were talking about you down there yeah. <laughs> catch them all catch them all so Eric you said your podcast what's a six episodes in this season is it? yeah uh, so the, the next one is out this week with PJ we're very excited about that you allowed to tell us who do that for her? Um, maybe not yeah Don't. yeah yeah keep it exciting yeah because we were at Willard's gig on Friday yeah. and we were chatting to you. Well, we know the four, yeah, so do. let's just you say do. that. Yeah. And yeah. you mentioned that one of them. Yes. It's a bit spontaneous. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit, bit, bit out of left field. I was like, yeah. oh, I didn't expect them to be on. Yeah. And you said about a question you asked them. And I was like, no, wait, that'd be a very good question. And what did they respond? And you were like, oh, they said, eh, uh, uh, <laughs> oh, can't remember now. Clip and I was like, you, you, you know you used to work in sales anyways. Yeah. That's a bit of media training there. Yeah. <laughs> like, but on that, I said to the Terrence, you know, someone would pull us on a Sunday and be like, you doing a podcast tomorrow? And I'd be like, yeah, yeah. And who have you got on? And I'd be like, oh, can't remember. Bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking. Oh, I don't know. I'd have to ask Terrence. Yeah. It's in the group chat. I have an email somewhere. I'll have to check and I know exactly Eric Lawler is going to be in at 6 o'clock on the yeah. I know that but I won't tell anybody until that episode that is recorded it's isn't it it really is it really yeah is. it's nearly superstitious for me because like, okay. imagine like, Eric Lawler's on tomorrow and then tomorrow you ring and be like lads I'm sick and yeah. then we have to get bleeding just me and Terrence is on yeah, and everyone's yeah. like I thought Eric Lawler was on I'd be like yeah but <laughs> next how, do you, how do you find them ones the two years when he's just the two years handy yeah, yeah they're the easy ones yeah. yeah. oh you find them the easy ones yeah, yeah. okay right because it's me and the Terrence yeah. yeah relaxing chill yeah, out yeah yeah you don't feel the need to keep the conversation going or ask no, the yeah. best particular questions about his career or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, and no, some, sometimes actually they can be. It depends, but like, do you know when it's great if you do like a, a run of say eight, nine, ten yeah. with a guest and what like something's coming up like a live show or whatever, it's nice to just sit down and be like, see the match? Yeah, that was mad, wasn't it? Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, they're, yeah. The, they're the planned ones. We've had one or two of the unplanned ones where a guest will let us down and then we're like, right, just the two of us. Fuck, yeah. what are we going to talk and about? And then on the flip side it. of that is you don't want to be ringing someone last minute and be like, Eric, what are you doing at six? Do you want to come in yeah. and do the podcast? Because then you feel you're being disrespectful to people. Well, no, come here, listen, don't ever feel disrespectful if you need me to come in here. I'm always available, all right, lads? Right, why are you down tomorrow then? <laughs> 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 you liked them last week so much, here's part two. <laughs> yeah. I'll do the bonus episode as well. Come <laughs> <laughs> here, uh, when's your gig? What's that Liberty Hall gig? What's it's that? the 19th of September in Liberty Hall. As I said, it's my biggest one. Lawler by nature. L-O-L, comma, E-R, by nature. Um, it was Will I actually made that name up. He went, I wouldn't be like, like him. Wouldn't like, be like him. I like it. I like it. So yeah, that's it. It's my biggest one to say. It would be great if, if I could sell it out. Will I was like, Eric, let me tell you something. You're doing a podcast with me. Carl, you're going to sell it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, he's he's brilliant. Will I, like, He's the most positive influence you can have in your yeah, life as well. 100%. Like there are yeah. sometimes you do. Like, you, you know him. You want you tell him to shut the fuck up, will you? Yeah, like, do me head in. You don't stop talking or joking or whatever. But, like, what a man to have on your side. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? And we've all gone through tough times. I've gone through tough times with my mental health and all that. But Willa, like, he knows, he senses when is the good time to talk to you, when is not, when to, when to lay off you. And I was going through something recently there, and he was just a pillar for me. Mm. Rock. Um... And every so often he'll just ring up. He'll, he's joke, 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 and then go. So come here. 
tell us everything already. You know what yeah, I'm talking yeah. He has that lovely bit of humanity about yeah. him. And, uh, we only talking about that there, so surprise, surprise, turn and stop the podcast to go to the toilet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is a bit, we talked about this the last like four episodes, haven't we? Yeah. And we have mentioned there that he rang me a few weeks ago when you were in the car, weren't yeah. it? And I told him I had something going on. And he even said, what did he say? He was like, you weren't safe from drowning to be kicked to death on the beach. And I just remember That's thinking. Right, yeah. <laughs> oh, he always has a saying. Yeah, he has a saying about yeah. everything. Oh no God. matter what happens. Yeah. Like, he could ring you tomorrow and be like, what's wrong with you? And be like, my fucking dog is in the vest. She has an infection in her town. And he'd be like, look. And then he'd give you some saying. <laughs> oh, like, just make, I think he makes it up on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He always walked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. if you're a space hopper in space, you're not going to be a roller skate on the sand. And you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> 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 I might be looking at you be like, I, I think I've heard him say that. <laughs> you want to mind that up on the spot? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But he said that to me when we were out having coffee before. <laughs> but, I, like, but when it's said with such sincerity, you, you always go, yeah, fucking thrill. Did he, just say, did he just say gorilla smoking gas is the same as eating a cigarette on the beach? What? What? <laughs> What's that? Sorry? <laughs> but because it's said, it's like when, you know when people put memes up on uh, Instagram, they put a black and white picture of somebody and they put a quote and because it's black and white and it's a quote, you think that person's fucking said it. Yeah. It's the same kind yeah. of thing. Once it's said with sincerity and commitment, people believe it. But it fits the situation perfectly. 100%. Like, where did you get all this? I know. Yeah. was making them up. I told him I was going, I, I went on antidepressants there recently and he said something about custard. I don't know what else. <laughs> like, I mean, I could just make it up, I suppose. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, you know, if you're throwing the dice, you can't be having custard all over the mouse. <laughs> yeah, well, that's deep, will I? Sound. <laughs> <laughs> he's a man of many talents he really is he's a life coach he yeah is. Ah, but he like like you know his story like his whole background is just incredible to where he is now to where he was oh it's mad two lives oh it's 100% lives, it's astonishing what he's done and he's a living and breeding example of what can be done with your life you can turn it around if you really want to mm. and you've got the support network there like you know and thankfully he still works. He could be gone, but I could not exist at this moment. Mm. You know, he, he probably pinches himself and thinks, yeah, there's several times I should be gone. Like, you know, yeah. Yeah. he's still here and he's he's the biggest character in the room every time you see him, like, you know. Yeah, so. and fair play to him and yourself because you are, as we touched on at the start, it's like a bit of a callback now, but there is a lot of funny people in Dublin there, working class people as well, who need a chance, just need a bit of bleeding, encouragement and nourishment. And who knows what you get out of them, you know what I mean? 100%. So. There's so much talent out there. There really is. And just mm. people just need to believe in themselves. And I think what you do, and I, I know I keep coming back to it, but what you are doing is you have become this big podcast with these accents, right? You cannot underestimate the power of that because there's so few of it in the media, in pop culture, in modern day culture. And yet it's a huge section of society. So when people, young kids, young boys and girls growing up, hearing these people on their podcasts, in their ears, it just makes them believe that they can do that themselves. Mm. You know what I mean? So, fair play just lads. Fair mm. play just No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, thanks to you as well. Thanks for coming in. No, Appreciate no. it. Where can you buy the tickets to a gig on the ah, 19th of Ticket September? Ticket Master Dollar or not Rock Up To Me Gaff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Takes yeah. cash. He takes cash. And it as well. Cash is king. All right. Wrap this up, Teddy. Yeah. All right. Take us out there, Siobhan. Bill. Subscribe to this podcast for free on the Go Loud app. What you waiting for? Put your back in it. Just a little more. Try your weapon it now. Fill your body up and walk it high and low. When you finish that, the hip knocker. Come down.